This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Getting- Mike on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Heward, not exactly Joe Cap there in the pocket. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Back tomorrow, we as a crew will all be in beautiful Peoria, Arizona next week doing the show. Cannot wait for that. One of our favorite weeks of the year. So in his place is Aaron Manchego Goldsmith. Yep. That actually sounds pretty good. Does it? Aaron Manchego Goldsmith. Maura, somebody else elaborated on that, really was buying into him as Manchego Cheese. Is that? Yeah. Oh, we got two? The 206 Mm -hmm. says Manchego, exhibiting a mild, nutty flavor with subtle tanginess, intensifies Mm. with age. Definitely Goldsmith. Definitely. Very nutty. Yeah, very, very nutty. <laughs> very bababy. Very quality. Well, was it last time you were on, you had to explain to, or you looked up what a derp was to tell Brock, and you're like, oh, that's yeah. exactly what you are. <laughs> I forgot about derp. Yes. Someone called him that a cylinder headed oh, derp. Yeah, you were in there for mean tweets that day, and you really, really enjoyed that. I one. love mean tweets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You know what I, 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 would be, I know I don't do this often, uh-huh. but when I do, I would love to have mean tweets be a part of it. Really? Oh, I... I just being crucified by the public is one of my favorite things. Yeah, oh, we didn't right. find many for you, but there, the <laughs> one woman that we did find, like, really, oh, she was really yeah. ruined her Stop life. Stop being so well liked, and it'd be a little bit easier. Well, <laughs> she made up for it. <laughs> she, she was very offended by my existence. Hey, we are going to spin around the station here. I got some sound from uh, yesterday. Uh, some of it's Ty France, some of it's John Morosi. I've got to ask you about Matt Chapman uh, because he has certainly been a talking point on this show and some articles written about him. Before we get there, we played this earlier. This is Ty France talking about being in his underwear down there at Driveline and all of the flaws that they found in his swing. He couldn't believe it. Here was Ty talking to the media about that yesterday. The swing aspect, um, just cleaning a lot of things up. Spent spent a good bit of time over at Driveline, and you know they they've got a lot of technology, a lot of smart guys over there to to help, and um, you know very excited to kind of put that into into the game. You know, there's it's crazy to see how how bad my swing was, like on like a mechanical aspect um, to get all that, that that stuff cleaned up and. You know, it's still not not perfect. There's still, you know, I have created a lot of a lot of years of bad habits. So, just trying to get get as clean as possible and you know, tighten all that up throughout the the full the full off season. I think we made a lot of adjustments and a lot of improvements. It's just amazing to hear. I watch 14 year olds. Right, my son's trying to really fix a a habit where that barrel was down. I watch and... fourteen year olds is a tough line. We always tell him to Out of stop context, calling. So like, many of these saying that all the what? boys come to his garage. Don't be dirty, okay? And... Salk has polluted your minds. <laughs> Don't be dirty. There's nothing strange about that at all. I watch fourteen year old baseball players try to fix their swings. I watch Titus's little swing adjustments. Ty France is in his late twenties. He's a major league baseball player, Aaron, and you're telling me he's got mechanical flaws. You're telling me a former All Star a year and a half ago you looked at his swing and went, Ugh. "Seriously, in the major leagues?" I, there's a lot of directions I feel compelled to go in right now. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uplift. Okay. That's what keep I do. I'm Thank just gonna you. uplift. Thank you. Okay. Especially around Brock. I don't think we can ever comprehend how hard this game is and how much harder it gets when you get hit 30 times a year. And all of a sudden, you 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 start to compensate here because you just took one off the hip last night like Ty France did. And then a week later, as your hip's trying to get, feel better, you, oh, you just got drilled right in the forearm. 
right? right. And you're posting every day. Yep. And you're just getting as beat up as he has year after year. He has the ability. He needed a rehaul. I was thrilled by the development, the news that he was going to driveline, was spending so much time there, was all in on basically becoming a better version of himself because we have seen it, Mm -hmm. but it has been a while, as Ty Mm -hmm. pointed out. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Mariners are clearly very open with all of their players, pitchers or hitters, seeking third-party help, in this case, driveline. The Mariners are the first to say, like any team should be the first to say, that they don't know at all, right? Having outside eyes and outside opinion is really helpful. And ideally, you are in communication, right? The Mariners and the facility, in this case, driveline. And they, I've never heard a situation where they have not been basically in lockstep with what they're trying to accomplish and how they're trying to do it. There's no doubt. You know, there was talk, remember, back in November, there was talk of, the Mariners going out and getting a new first baseman, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe trading Ty France. It's like, well, okay, so you're going to trade a former all-star at literally his career low value. The best thing that can happen for Ty France and the Mariners is to have Ty France regain some high level of what he was a year and a half ago, let's call it, and be that guy again. And it's not an impossibility for that to happen. It's going to take a lot of hard work, as we've seen and heard from Ty. Yep. But the Mariners are better off with Ty France being Ty France once again. And he's getting that opportunity, obviously. Now, there's some safety that's built in, right, for injury or lack of performance. Sure. Luke Rayleigh's going to be working out with a first baseman's glove every once in a while. He's mm-hmm. kind of the next man up there. Uh, because Ty has not been a productive hitter for over a year at this point, mm-hmm. at least relative to the league and what we know he can do. But... If it's still there, man, the Mariners need it. They yeah, need I just, it. I just chuckle. I, I do at some of this. And I think of my father-in-law. He was a pitcher at Oregon. Struck out Reggie Jackson when he was at Arizona State back in the day. Uh, one of the kids on, on the team, his dad pitched at Georgia back in the day. And these grandparents come and they're like, oh, my gosh. These kids are getting taught. Like, they do what? Like, they have these, you know, this mustard app that measures. And I'm like, well, what did you guys do back in the day? <laughs> and my father's like, yeah, we didn't have a pitching coach at Oregon. Like, they didn't even have a pitching coach. You know, it's just like, yeah, you picked up the ball and you went and threw and you figured out yourself. Like, if Ted Williams went to driveline, what would driveline say to Ted Williams and about some of the inefficiencies in his swing? You know, I mean, just some of the level that this gets to mechanically. You know, um, you know I, I watched my nephew Sam, like in seventh grade, go down to Texas. And it's the same deal, like these QB gurus that, that look at all the biomechanics and see every little inefficiency. And I just wonder, Aaron, and, and Ty will be a great case in this because it worked with JP, but mm-hmm. I wonder at times, and I know for me and my wiring, like it would be, I said this to Salk yesterday, I'd be paralyzed. I mean, all this data and all this analysis and everything that I can't do and all this, this stuff, like, you know, I, I, I don't, it would just freak me out, but it's certainly for some unlocks them. And, you know, John Paul Morosi, I think you got this cut here um, more that I was just reading. He points to, as you do, to Ty France being a major part of this. You can look at everybody else and you can talk about Matt Chapman and and bringing in other people. But if Ty France is a difference maker, if Ty France is an all-star, Aaron, if Ty France gets back to being a guy that can hit 20 to 25 home runs and we know, you know, has a great eye and hits you 270, what are we talking about here? What are we talking about with the upside of this lineup? How good could they be? The first base position is one where traditionally for your lineup to really flow, you need 
some offense there. You need some run production. I look at where he bats, probably after Raleigh and potentially ahead of Hanniger and, and Rayleigh. And so that's the spot where those – it just seems like to me the sixth spot in the lineup, you often have a lot of key RBI opportunities – and lineups that go from good to great are those that pick up a lot of RBI around there. The first baseman's got to hit. And right now the first baseman is Ty France. He's going to have to produce. And I believe that there's a good chance he has a bounce back here. But if, if you tell me Ty France's games played and RBI, I, I will be able to tell you a lot about how good this team's going to be. You that critical? Well, I do agree with a lot of what, what Morosi said there. And the fact is, there is no better option than Ty France. Like, period. That's the bottom line. There's no better option. And if you want this lineup to be its most productive version of itself, mm-hmm. you can't. You just can't have the Ty France that has we saw last year and yep. at the back end of the previous year. Now that there was some injuries involved there, but last year was just mm-hmm. a really frustrating year for Ty France, right? Mm-hmm. And I. Like any big leaguer, he he felt that. He knew it better than anybody. Uh, but for him to get back to, I think that's the stat line that you referenced, like the neighborhood of 20 home runs, yep. hitting in the neighborhood of 260-ish. He'll mm. always have a pretty high on base because he's going to always get hit <laughs> 25 to 30 times. Yes. Like it's a, it's a, it, truthfully, like if, if I'm yep. building a team out, like I factor that in. It's just who he is and it's not going to ever change. There's obviously risk involved with that. Uh, availability injury, but it's just part of his makeup as a hitter for the Mariners to get him back to what he was is not something that I think many of us have spent a lot of time thinking about mm-hmm. this off season, right? Mm-hmm. Like, who, who are they adding? Who are they going to get to do this and for that? And who are they going to replace at third base with? But I think Ty's kind of flown under the radar in that regard. And maybe that's a good thing for Ty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he give him credit for the humility to say, I got to kind of tear this thing down. I got to rebuild my body. He clearly has, he looks great. Yep. Um, and to rebuild his swing from a guy who two years ago was an all-star and last year was hit in third. I mean, think about it. He hit third, was an all-star for a 90-win playoff team, and last year dropped as low as like maybe eighth in the order, seventh on a regular basis. So he had a, he had a big, big serve in a humble pie last year. Whew, I'm starting to get excited. Starting to get a little bit excited here. This is kind of what happens. Hope springs eternal. And, you know, but but it's not even hope. It's not even full. Like, these guys have done it. Mitch has done it. Ty has done it. Yeah, obviously, there's question marks with some of that and consistency and injury and everything else. But, man, this team puts it together. There is a lot of clay to mold in a really, really positive direction. Roma Dunze is going to join us in 20 minutes. Everything you need to know next. Goldie is in for Salk. It's Brock and Salk on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, here's what you need to know. The boys are fully at work. What are we, day four now? Day three of full workouts for the squad. We will hear our first baseball game this week. We will be down there all next week covering the Mariners um, for the entirety of every one of our shows from the desert. Last night, Maybe the MLB Network doesn't have the same cachet as the NFL Network's top 100. Been around a little bit longer. But uh, MLB Network came out, uh, Goldie, with their top 100 players. The Mariners had five total. Cal Raleigh, 93. George Kirby, 75. J.P. Crawford, 69. All three of those guys not ranked the year before. Luis Castillo, number 54. And no surprise, 
Here was uh, player number 10, very own Julio Rodriguez. Number 10. Another historic chapter for Julio Rodriguez. Julio! Julio! Impossible! No fly zone covers every coach. Oh, man, you want to talk about sight. And there's nothing he can't do on a baseball field. And Julio Rodriguez, the hit machine. He is just crushing everything. Four hits or more in four consecutive games. He ties the record. And it's good! Whoa. That's a lot of Goldie. Well, I know I know a guy. Off. I know a guy in Secaucus. And <laughs> the editing bay. You like number 10? Does that feel about right? What's he going to be like this year, right? I mean, there's. Yep. I was trying to explain to my nine-year-old son how when you're at a certain age in your career, for years, it's like, okay, how much is he going to get better? How much is he going to get better? How much will he improve? Mm. And how Julio still has years of that ahead of him, right? Uh, we've already talked. We've already heard his comments. And Scott talked about him progressing as a leader, which is obviously such a hard thing to define. Yep. And you have to, in some ways, have to be on the inside to really comment on that with some smarts Mm -hmm. Uh, but Julio as the face of a franchise Julio as an MVP candidate if he cuts down the chase cuts down the swing and miss and just do almost everything else that he's ever done like he's an MVP candidate every year right Uh, how lucky we are to have him in this city I can't wait to see what he does in year three here's the second thing you need to know well, I can't wait to watch a big basketball game tonight. I've gotten very frustrated. It used to be I get the most emotional, Goldie, about my Husky men's basketball team. But uh, apathy is the emotion that is unfortunately settled in with so much of that. But right across the state, well, those Cougs, they're doing something they have not done in decades. They are ranked for the first time since 2008. And it is must-see TV tonight. 8 o'clock tip-off as they will go down to the desert. They will take on Arizona. It was Wildcats in early January. They beat at home. Shot lights out. Arizona couldn't make a basket. Kyle Smith and those Cougs got after him. And, yeah, he was asked, the head coach, you got a little something on these Wildcats because you've beaten them back-to-back times as they get ready to tangle in the desert. Here's the head coach of the Cougs. Hopefully got the little cheat code. It'll be it'll be a tough one there. I think they're number one in the country in scoring margin. They're a good basketball team. They they play well at home like most teams and they, they really play fast, so we'll have our, our hands full trying to trying to slow them down. But if we can or whatever, if we can contain them a little bit, then we get you know, our defense has been good. And if we can somehow get to that the way we defended them here and gives us gives ourselves a chance. Aaron, how have they done it? I know you've seen Arizona. You've not called a Wazoo game this year. You can hear that, by the way, right here on Seattle Sports of 8. How's Cal Smith and the Cougs done that with their roster? This is the first time I can remember in a, while, in a long while that the Cougs have defensively been able to defend the perimeter and the rim, both at a high level. When they've had one, they haven't had the other. That's a major component for me. And then, like, you want to talk about a throwback guy? Just a back-to-the-basket big man? Isaac Jones has create, made everyone else better. Like, you want to talk about a guy who makes the other four guys on the court better? He commands so much attention down low. All the other guys are having so much space, so much room. Like, he's he is a legit factor in this game. And, and the in any game, for the Cougs, for that matter, Omar Balo is obviously one of the big threats 
first team all conference big man. The Cougs are enormous. I mean, they're one of the biggest teams in the country. Mm. If you can give Balo in foul trouble early, mm. and he plays eight minutes, nine minutes in the first half in particular, to me, like that that's a big key. I've seen those games for Arizona. He gets two ticky tack fouls early. Yep. Oh what? He shoots forty five percent from the line. So be physical with him. I can't wait for this game. This will be a fun one. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, a big one at Climate Pledge Arena as well. The Kraken time is ticking. Just 27 games left in this season. And they find themselves looking up in significant ways to their friends north of the border. Vancouver, 80 points. Holy smokes. Actually leading the division. Uh, the Kraken just 57. This is the kind of game this year, Aaron. Unfortunately, the Kraken have beaten bad teams. But when they've been matched up against the elite teams, have just not been able to get it done. Trade deadline just a couple weeks away. So a big one for the Kraken on their home ice tonight. That is everything you uh, you need to know and more. Roma Dunze is going to join us here in about five minutes or so. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Maybe we can debate this a little bit later in the show, Aaron. Think about this one. We'll come back to it maybe at 930. Do you think that a college men's basketball head coach in, a, in their coaching staff can have more influence on their team than maybe any other coaching staff in sport right now? NFL, college baseball, Major League Baseball, men's and women's basketball, the quality of that coach. Because you said it earlier, uh, last hour, <laughs> it isn't as if Wazoo's got five stars and four stars and four. I mean, it is, what do you say, an Idaho transfer? A D2 transfer. An Idaho transfer. And a cancer survivor. And a cancer survivor. It's just awesome. It is just awesome. And Kyle's got him absolutely rolling. The head coach that used to be here, well, he's down in Tuscaloosa. We may ask Rome about him. I certainly am going to ask Rome Adunze all about Ryan Grubb, the new Seahawks offensive coordinator. And most importantly, what's Rome been up to? And is he going to run at the Combine next week? All of that and so much more when the All-American Rome Adunze joins Goldie and I next right here on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Believe it or not, Goldie, you're halfway through. It's already, I believe that. It's already halfway through. It's, it's remarkable uh, how much fun we're having. Been looking forward to this. Uh, Roma Dunze is going to join us here on the show. He, like Roger Rosengard, I'm going to try to do this every week. Do you know Do you know how many dudes from the UW are going to be in Indianapolis at the Combine? 13, Goldie. Whoa. 13. 13. So I don't know if we have 13 weeks until the NFL draft. I don't think it's quite that, but we're going to try to talk to at least one a week as we get ready for it. And with the combine looming next week, no better time than to check in with, uh, well, the All-American, Roma Dunze. How are you doing this morning, Rome? I'm doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Man, thank you. Thank you for jumping aboard with us. I know you've got, you, what, you got speed training in 30 minutes? Is that right? we got speed training in 30 minutes? Yeah, I do, yep. So uh, tell us, I know you're down there. Roger told us uh, a lot of what's going on with his training down in Southern California. I'm guessing with the combine looming next week, uh, you down in Southern California as well and, and getting all rehearsed and trained up and ready to go for next week? I am. I am. Yeah. Me and Roger are actually um, working in the same facility doing doing kind of the, the same thing. You know, he, he's a different body type than me. So a little alteration, but yep, down here in Southern Cal doing, doing the same thing as him. What do you mean, different body type? How so? I don't. I don't. <laughs> well, you know, I'm expected to run a little faster. He's definitely much stronger, so um, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> hey, uh, Goldie, why don't you tell Rome the story you told me just off the air? 
Yeah, Rome. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to tell you how to get better, but I'm I'm here to help if I can. Uh, when I was a pro, pro, I think prolific's a fair way to describe it. High school quarterback. I uh, purchased a VHS. It was like thirty or forty bucks. Had like the hard the hard case for the VHS. You know what I'm talking about? It was a yeah, Don, it was Don Beebe's speed enhancement video, and it was all about running a faster forty. And I'll I'll tell you, Rome. I some numbers you never forget. I clocked a four six three at football camp that year. What? So I mean, would what? you turn some heads? Yeah. Um. You know, you can probably find it in the dark web someplace. <laughs> so. Don Beebe's, huh? Yeah, like fastest white guy in the NFL of all time. <laughs> like Christian McCaffrey yeah. doesn't even know how fast this guy is. Rome, you probably weren't born. Do you even know who Don Beebe was? I have no clue who that is. <laughs> yeah, he played. <laughs> you don't feel old, Aaron. Don't worry about it. He played for the Bills. He played for the Bills. I think was in all four Super Bowls with the Bills. An amazing receiver, great special teamer. Oh, yes. Okay. So if Goldie ran four six three yeah. back in the day, big time. Do we have any idea? Well, first and foremost, are you running in Indy next week? Do you know yet? I do plan on running. Yes, I do. You do plan on running. Do you have, I know you were a 10, 800 meter guy. Do you have a sense with all this speed training you're doing every single day and ramping up for this with the best of the best? Do you have any sense, any ballpark of what you would like to run uh, there in Indianapolis next week? Um, I'd like to run sub four, four. That's my goal. Um, you know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm shooting for. So you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. See, you know, what I, when I end up running, you know, it's, it's, it's God's plan with all that. So everything, you know, got to have a good race. But, yeah, that's, that's my goal. How big a deal, from your perspective, is that 40? Um, I mean, it's not – I mean, for me, it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's, it's you know, 40 yards, you know, four seconds of my life that I, that I train, you know, I'm training tremendously for as long along with all the other events. But, you know – I mean, you can count so many great players who who ran the forty fast, who didn't run the forty fast, who didn't run it at all. Like, um, I, I think it, it. I don't know if I believe in any of the translation it has to the game of football, um, in a sense, in that way. Mm-hmm. But it is it is fun to run, fun to see. You know who has the speed, and and I, I can understand why all the scouts and people you know use it as something to, to um, you know, validate players and stuff. So. It's exciting, but for me, um, I don't. I don't care about it. Like for my future, my football career, honestly. Hey, Rome, we know how much of a meat market the combine is, but there's also such a level of investment for each of the clubs to learn about the people, right? The makeup, the mental makeup of everyone. How do you prepare? for the questions that you'll be asked, for the conversations that you'll have, questions that I'm sure a lot of them will just come out of complete left field that you have no way of preparing for. How do you how do you prepare for that? You know, for me, it's about, you know, just going into it and, and being myself and making sure, you know, I'm not um, trying to go in there and, and answer questions like, you know, like a robot or give the perfect answer or something like that, you know. Um, you know, first and foremost, you know, going in there and not having anything, you know, crazy on your record. If anybody, if kids are out there listening, you know, stay, stay good, be in school, don't do any of that. That helps you out. But um, I think, you know, just being in, in that in that sense, you, you, you're you not going to get any, like, crazy questions. They might try and, you know, trick you on, on football or some sort of different thing. But just keeping your composure and being like, okay, you know, these guys are trying to challenge me and, and uh, that's okay. That's that's what uh, the sport does in general. So just going in and being myself and um, let, letting it rock. 
Rome, have you had an opportunity to be around some of your peers? I mean, this is going to be a great receiver class. There are a lot of dudes, obviously Marvin Harrison and Malik Neighbors and a, and a bunch of other guys. Have you had a chance to to rub shoulders with any of them or any of them training uh, equally down in, in SoCal with XL Sports? I haven't. They're not training down here, uh, uh, but I am with uh, Jordan Whittington, who was on Texas, who caught a, a big pass against us in the, in the Sugar Bowl, mm-hmm. um, and, and he's a baller. So I've been able to train beside him and you know pick his mind a little bit, and he's a great dude, and I think he'll – He'll run very fast and get drafted very high as well. So um, I've been w- been with him, but none of the kind of the the others. That's that's the only one. Best counsel and advice you've gotten for is Aaron said next week in Indianapolis, and in the weeks and months ahead with pro days and everything that's on the calendar. Um, I would say just you know enjoying the process. I hear a lot of people saying this, you know, this uh, transition from college football to the NFL with the combine pro day. You know all the different camps that you have to go through as a as a rookie. Um, it, it's a lot, and it takes you know a lot of mental toll and everything. So um, I think the best advice I've gotten is just you know to take a second, take a deep breath, and realize, hey, like you know this is this is your dream coming true here. Let's let's be grateful. Let's you know be appreciative of the the, the time that we're in. So that's exactly what I'm doing. Rome, obviously, such a wonderful career at UW, and so much promise for what's next for you at the next level. What is this time? been like for your family this in-between time uh, as you all are talking whether it be in person or over the phone or over facetime uh, there's there's so much what if this happens what if that happens and they're along for this journey with you what what have what has it been like for your family right now did you see where you are in the mock draft (laughs) oh my gosh you you are (laughs) (laughs) um it's been awesome honestly you know um, my family is very supportive of everything you know, I, you know, um, they definitely are the type probably to look at mocks and look at different things just because, you know, it's an exciting time. So how how could you not look at those things? But um, I think they're really, you know, generally just more supportive than me. You know, my pops is, you know, handling anybody that feels like they can talk smack about me. <laughs> He's always there to do that. My mom, you know, is always there to support me and, and um, you know, give me some uh, some advice on, on football here and there on, on life. Um so they, they, they're they there. They're just excited. My brothers are both excited. Um, you know, uncle, aunts and uncles, grandparents, everybody's just, you know, waiting for the moment, waiting uh, for everything to go down. But, yeah, everybody's just kind of excited. I'm going to get to some uh, some nuts and bolts here in just a second. But you mentioned earlier hoping to run under 4-4. What do you think height, weight, vert? What do you think you uh, some of the other numbers, Rome, that we can expect when you get down there? Um, well, shoot, I don't want to ruin the entire surprise, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I'll probably weigh in around 215. That's pretty much what I'm at. Um, height, um, six, three, I'm guessing. I'm going to go get my six, three. going to, you know, have my Afro out when I get my height. Uh, no, I'm I'll give you for, I think I'm going to jump. Somewhere from 37 to 40 per vert. That's all I can give you. Gotcha. That's, that's good. No, that's all I need. That's all I need. That's good. Roma Dunze here with us. Uh, one of our favorites. I was telling Aaron off the air, Rome, when you and some of your teammates came in our building, Troy and Michael, and, and when you helped serve and volunteer with Holiday Magic, man, you left a mark. Everybody in the building, even the Cougs in the building, were like, golly, I wish that wouldn't have happened. I hate the Huskies, but now i got to love them because these guys were so great from the inside out. So we uh, super much, uh, super appreciate that. Um, Is it kind of crazy to think six weeks ago you play in a national title game 
And then all of a sudden you fast forward through these six weeks, Rome, and not only you, like what you're preparing for, you knew that was inevitable, but the Kalen DeBoer and staff would leave to Alabama. And then Ryan Grubb and Scott Huff would say, yeah, you know what? (laughs) I'll come back from Tuscaloosa to Seattle and let me coordinate the Seahawks. How do you put in perspective what the last six weeks have been for your former coaches and now for Grubb and crew to come back to Seattle and, and help coordinate a Seahawk offense? Oh my goodness! I mean, for me, it's just been it's been uh, for chaos for them. I think you know it, it's in the same ballpark, but you know at the same time, but with all this chaos, like it, it's not like you know they they didn't end up in in good good positions. You know, I feel like you know the coaches off as a whole dispersed and all ended up in pretty solid positions where they where they feel comfortable. You know, who who knows if it continues to change or if that's possible? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but um, you know. Right now, I mean, it seems like, you know, people are, are comfortable with it. And, you know, the whole initial staff leaving, it definitely hurt, um, you know, just because I, I knew it was a great staff and I want the success for UW, of course. So to see them go hurt a little bit. But did you, you know, have any sense? Did you, Rome, did you, I'm sorry to catch you. Do you have any yeah. sense or feel for that, that this could be, I mean, college football is crazy. We all know that. Transfer portal is wide open. We all know that. Did you have any sense or feel that this could be in the makings, especially when, you know, once Nick Saban stepped down there at Alabama? You know, I did not. I didn't really didn't have any sense. I didn't think, you know, or get any inclination from any of the coaches that, you know, that that was what was going to go down. And it kind of took me out of, you know, left field or just like just like everybody else. But, you know, I will say, I mean, when you had the success that the team had, you know, back to back years, you know, um, got to the national championship game, like, you know, it, it is a little bit expected that other programs are going to be like, hey, how are they doing that? Okay, let's go get this guy. Let's go get this guy in. With the transfer portal, with the coaching carousel, like, you know, that's college football. And, you know, if, if you're a fan of college football, I think you're going to have to adapt to some of that craziness um, that happens every single year. Because, I mean, it's almost every single year now where, something crazy has happened and this coach you'd never expect to leave is leaving and he is here now and this player's transferring it's like you know it's part it's part of the story now and part of the drama of it all so hey last couple minutes here with rome i got two final questions for you we've talked a lot about ryan grubb coming back to seattle he's been on our airwaves he jumped on with bump and stacy earlier this week on the show i'm curious from your perspective when a seahawk fan that you bump into says hey rome rome talk to me about grubb what, what are we getting with Ryan Grubb? What are we getting with Scott Huff? Give me something from the inside as you worked with him every day for the last couple of years. And as you said, got all the way to the pinnacle, to the mountaintop there with the national title game. What are the Seahawks getting in Ryan Grubb? Man, I would say y'all are getting uh, a dog. <laughs> and I know a lot of people, you know, describe a player as that, and, you know, with the mindset mentality, but – to me, that's exactly what Grubb is, man. Um, you know, Grubb's the type of guy, he, he he's out preparing, you know, everybody, um, you know, to, to the fullest. You know, out preparing everybody, each and everybody, each and everyone, each week, you know, his opponents, making sure that he's leaving no detail behind. So I think they're going to get someone that they can be, you know, super proud of. I really think that they're going to go over there and, and have a lot of success, especially with the tremendous receivers and, and quarterbacks as well that they have over there. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, a pass, a pass friendly, you know, explosive, explosive game plan. I'm sure we'll be going in week to week and a guy who, who is not going to let y'all down, you know, and, and he's going to work it, work his ass off to, to go make it happen. Mm. Hey, Rome, I gotta, I gotta tell you just two quick things from a personal standpoint. One, 
my oldest son is nine years old and he had never really gotten hooked on football until right. your Husky team this year, man, mm. like your Husky team and what they did got him hooked on football. So like powerful stuff. Like, I know that might just seem like, Oh, just some nine year old kid, but like, that's how these things happen. And you were a big part of that. So I thank you for that. His, no, be- absolutely. his, uh, his, Sorry. his best friend, I got to give a shout out to my man, Gavin Marshall mm. at Mark Twain elementary. Mm. Gavin is such a UW fan, okay, that we all call him Odunze. I coach him in third grade basketball Rome, and every every time Gavin Marshall gets a bucket, you know what our whole bench does? We all go, Odunze! And everybody in that gym is like, what? What? What is this freckled redhead little white kid getting everybody yelling Odunze about? But as you go on, Rome, to bigger and better things and an incredible NFL career, man, you just need to know, like, you left an incredible stamp on so many people here in Seattle, and I can speak on behalf of two of them. So very well done, man. Awesome stuff. Yeah, well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. You know, that was, you know, a part of, you know, apart from, you know, going and and getting the national championship, that was, you know, the the second biggest goal there, just going, you know, inspiring people. You know, everybody, you know, used to tell me how, you know, when UW winning, when UW stopping, the, the, the city feels a little different and, and the vibe is a, is a little higher. So that's exactly what it's about, man. You know, inspiring these young kids and, you know, hopefully to, you know, be a role model for all of them. And, you know, so hopefully they can have some fun with it along with all of us. So I appreciate you sharing that, man. It, mean, it means a lot to me. Absolutely. Well, you go get warmed up. I know you got speaking here in about 14 minutes or so. don't want to take any more time. And I don't want to put you on the spot, but how important will it be? Last question that you land somewhere in the NFL where you got a fishing port nearby so you can get out there with Captain Tom and you can get on the water and you can do your fishing thing. Have you told your agent, like, hey, hey, listen, I, I'm not going to such and such. I ain't going to Kansas City. I need to be on the water somewhere. Yeah, I know. I mean, we were already on it. I mean, that was the first thing <laughs> Good. I told them. And, um, you know, when I go into these combine meetings, I'm going to set the record straight like, hey, yes. you know, sorry, sorry, Kansas City. <laughs> the ocean's too far, man. The yep. ocean's too far. Sorry, Arizona. Yep, landlocked. Uh-uh, not going to work. Rome, you're the best, man. Yeah. Uh, absolutely kick butt. We will be rooting for you, cheering for you, screaming Odunze at your 40 next week. Uh, go and get it done, and uh, we'll look forward to watching you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. There he is, Rome Odunze. And I know, uh, Aaron, what's already happening I know it. I can see. I can see more in the other room already. Like, man, that is such a good dude. He is going to come out of next week, and and we'll get into his measurements and his jumping and all of that fun stuff here in a second. I'll play some Bucky Brooks sound comparing him to Marvin Harrison. But you just heard why next week he's going to come out of the interview process, and I am telling you, NFL Network headlines, scouts, Roma Dunze killed it. Roma Dunze killed it. Roma Dunze's interviews were amazing because he is the genuine article. I forgot to ask him about his inseam. <laughs> I knew. I think what you did there was better. Than no, I, that, I got selfish there. That was <laughs> See, that's what happens when you put yourself first. See what happens? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, what you can just tell. I mean, in all, in all honesty, in all seriousness, you can just tell, man. Like, we, just, talk, we talk to dudes all the time, mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. you, just, you just know. You just know the ones that are like, that's a real guy. Yep. That's a that's a hockey player. Yes. That's a real guy. Yes. Right? Like that's a real guy. His answer to how you prepare to basically be interrogated, yep. right, for days on end by every executive. Like that's right. Now, the next part is can you actually execute on that, right? Can you mm-hmm. be yourself when 
you are sitting in that chair in front of all those guys with all the NFL lanyards. It's he seems like the guy that has the kind of makeup that it won't be a problem at all. Huge advantage, and and on the surface it stinks. You know, Titus and I were just talking about this the other day. Like the Huskies have had in six years, like five coaches. Right, Chris Peterson stepped down, and then it's Jimmy Lake, and then it's Kalen DeBoer, and now it's going to be Jed Fish. I guess that's four coaches in like six years. And on the surface of it, like when Roman Dunze committed to Chris Peterson and he committed to Washington, it was Chris Peterson, and that's who he signed on with, and all those other guys in 2019. But I'll tell you, man, all of life's curveballs make you stronger. And all of those adversities and the pitfalls and the challenges and Jimmy getting fired, and then all of a sudden Kalen comes in here and Ryan Gr- like all of those things, that's why when he gets interrogated, Aaron, I think he is genuine and real. Like this ain't been easy. <laughs> it's not just been all rosy. Mm-hmm. He's been through it for five years. He's grown up. And anybody from Captain Tom on a fishing boat to uh, high school kids that he's gone and impacted to all of the media through the semifinal and the national championship game through the people in our building that I referenced earlier, like, yeah, man, this is just a good dude. And then he put the tape on, and the tape is sick. So sick that Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah, if you wouldn't mind firing that once again here for me, uh, Mora, all the name and all the attention and all the history and Marvin Jr., Marvin Jr., Marvin Jr., somehow he's in New York City as Eisman candidate, even though his numbers were nowhere close, nor his team's success to what Roma Dunze was. Bucky Brooks, former scout, is going to tell you, hey, hold on a second. As we get closer to draft day, there's going to be a real conversation about wide receiver number one. I think you can liken his game to the game that you see from Jamar Chase in terms of just an overwhelming physical presence, plays with physicality and ruggedness on the perimeter, outstanding ball catcher, uh, can win contested catches down the field, just kind of utilizing his leaping ability or just physically overpowering people. With Marvin Harrison Jr., he is a terrific route runner. He does have great pedigree. Obviously, Hall of Fame dad who did it for a long time in the league. He can do a bunch of special things. I think the trick will be, let's see what these guys look like when they run at the combine. Let's see what they look like when it comes to running routes. I think the conversation is a little closer between those guys vying for number one than I think we've talked about for most of the regular season uh, heading into draft season. In different personalities, Aaron. Uh, You know, Marvin Harrison Jr., quieter, kind of like his dad. He is not going to, like, be a dog. Rome's a dog. He's a dog on the field. He's a dog in interview. Like, he is going to tackle those things. Marvin Harrison Jr., much more reserved. And I'll say this. if I'll say it right now. Bookmark it right here, Aaron. Just like you ran a 4-6 back in the day, and I love to see mm. that tape. Man, that's oh, blazing. That's good, too. Yeah, you can bookmark this Thursday, February 22nd at 8.51. If Roma Dunze does what he says he wants to do, and he measures in at 6'3", 215, and he jumps between 37 and 40, and he runs a sub 4-4 in Indianapolis, there won't just be debate about it. He very well might be and could be the number one pick. He runs sub 4-4, you're talking top five pick. Top five. Top five. Okay, you want to talk about like who's a dog and who's not? Yeah. Can we talk about the Louis Vuitton cleats from Harrison Jr.? Mm. Like that that that's an eyebrow raiser for me, Brock. Mm. Like you you can't be a dog and wear Louis Vuitton cleats. You sure? 
I'm positive. I, I watched Marvin Harrison. Like, this was in 2000. I was traded. Let's see. 99, 2001. I was traded in 2000. I watched Marvin Harrison operate three cell phones in 2002 before anybody had one cell phone. Okay? I saw Marvin Harrison Jr. You and I were in Ohio State yeah. together yeah. when you put on that big offensive tackles jersey that went down to your heels, uh, <laughs> who's now a Cleveland Brown, by the way. And you and I were in that facility and together a couple years ago. This year I was there. And I looked down at their indoor practice facility that's right there with their lunchroom and everything else. I'm like, what is that? I, I'd never seen this machine before. And it was a jugs machine that Marvin Harrison Jr. is invested in. So he's got Louis Vuitton cleats because like his pops, he's a business man. It's about the business, okay, and the business of football and all that the business of football creates. And, yeah, he's got like a – I don't know if he's on on the patent side of this thing or how how well he's invested and how much ownership we didn't go all Shark Tank. No, he didn't. But his yeah, he's he's got his hands already in all of that. He's got all that background and all that pedigree. And he's gonna be an amazing player and he might run sub four four two. Yeah. No, I just want so the corduroy suit guy here is defending Louis Vuitton cleat guy. I guess that makes <laughs> See what's going on. It, it's all it it all tracks. Checks out. I you know this what? is I walked into this. This you know what I'm fault. gonna do? I'm gonna go get that corduroy jacket. No, I'm not jacket, go- suit. Well, I'm not going to put the pants on right now, but I'm going to go get that jacket and I'm going to do um, which is worse because we got the segment called which is worse <laughs> appropriate. Yeah, and you. it is a totally appropriate tee up to which is worse, which Goldie and I will do next as I go get that corduroy <laughs> jacket and you continue <laughs> to listen to Goldie filling in for Salk right here on the Brock and Salk show on Seattle sports and the Seattle sports app.